Good morning, everyone, especially moms. Happy Mother's Day. And if you would, moms, all stand, please. We'd like to give you a hand that you need. Moms, would you stand? Stay, stay standing. I'm going to pray for you. But we all need a hand. This is one way that moms can get it. And moms and the rest of us, we need to give them a hand in a lot of other ways too. Let's pray. Father, we just thank you that we can come into your presence this morning. Thank you for your goodness, your grace, your mercy. Thank you, Lord, that moms here realize that they need you. Lord, I thank you that moms here know that your grace is enough. And Father, I thank you that moms that are in attendance here today know that you are for them. Father, I pray you would just bless our moms, bless our, our single moms, bless our widowed moms, bless our loving, caring, giving moms, bless our serving moms. Lord, I, I pray that if there's any uh, friction in any relationship between mothers and sons and daughters or sons and daughters and mothers, that even today could be the beginning of, of working those things out by your grace. Thank you, Lord, for uh, the, the husbands that are here, and the children that are here, and Lord, they know how blessed and they are to have a mom and a wife like the ones they're sitting with today. And I pray that as the writer of Proverbs writes, that uh, they would rise up and call mom blessed. Thank you for this day, Lord. Bless us as we get into your word and look a little bit more at, that, at who moms are designed to be and we can be an encouragement to one another today. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. <laughs> Abraham Lincoln, 16th president of the United States, said this about his, his mother. Three different quotes. All that I am or hope to be, I owe to my angel mother. And the third one, he said specifically to his mom as well, I remember my mother's prayers, and they have always followed me. They have clung to me all my life. And then thirdly, no man is poor who has a godly mother. You know, Nancy Hanks Lincoln died when Abraham was nine years old. And that's the impact that she had upon her young son. Moms, you change the world by changing a family, by the influence you have upon your family. I want to introduce you to a mom for the ages. At least she's a mom for the ages to the five of us who called her mom. Captain Helen Moyer Army nurse during World War II. She'd be 106 years old today. She went home to be with the Lord 31 years ago. At 15, her father died, 
and she helped her mom with her younger brother and sister. She graduated from high school, stayed local for a year or two to continue helping with her younger siblings. And then she went to nurses training at Grandview Hospital. Graduated from there, worked in maternity for a few years, and then World War II came, and she enlisted into the U.S. Army as a flight nurse. And she made dozens of missions across the Atlantic Ocean, bringing wounded soldiers from the battlefield hospital overseas, and she cared for them along the way. Her claim to, to fame or infamy was the fact that on one of those flights, she managed to spill some ink on General Eisenhower's top assistant, General Omar Bradley's dress whites. So my mom had an opportunity to do that in her service. She kept her rank as captain, however, and when the war was over, she came home, went back to Grandview Hospital to work as, as maternity nurse for a few more years, then married my dad, and quickly she became a maternity patient. In fact, before their sixth anniversary, they had five kids. I was number five. Hence, when you saw the picture that looks like it was taken by Matthew Brady, Civil War photographer, of, of my mom and I, there are very few and far between pictures of a mother and a fifth child. They just don't make them. We happened to find one, and, and uh, it was so good to see her in that picture. She was a blessing. There was a 1973 Volkswagen in there, so that tells you about how old that picture was. Anyway, um, my mom is known by me for what, who she was rather than what she did. I could tell you lots of things about her. When I was young, not in school yet, and my siblings were in school, she'd take me around to a number of her friends' homes whose parents were living in those homes because there were no retirement homes for them. So I think I can give my mom credit for inventing hospice care because she would take care of all those people and some of their most basic needs she would be there for as a nurse. What a blessing she was. That was just her loving, caring, humble heart. And if I look at my mom for the things that she has done, I would rather look at who she was. I believe my mother was unconditional love personified. I believe she was a very humble, humble person. My three brothers and I shared a room together while my sister had a room of her own. And I remember every night my mom coming up to pray with us. And in her prayer, she would say this word that I probably figured out around fourth grade or something. Uh, Dear God, we humbly come before you. And, and she said it so fast that I thought humbly cumby was all one word. <laughs> uh, it wasn't fourth grade, I figured it out. But, but a humble person comes before the Lord humbly. And, and that's my mom. Furthermore, the third quality besides her unconditional love and her humility was 
Just the fact that she had such an enduring spirit through very difficult physical trials. Close to her last 10 years of life were spent with prosthetics on both legs, walking with endurance the race set before her, looking unto Jesus, the author and perfecter of her faith. She had such joy in the midst of difficulty. She was such a trooper. She was such a contented person. Loving, humble, content. That was my mom. You know, there are two billion mothers in the world today. 85.4 million in the United States of America. So we had a bunch of them stand today. There are a lot of them like you. But maybe there aren't as many like you as you think. Because most mothers think they can handle it on their own. They don't need a hand. They don't need help. Well, you need help from your family. You need help from your husband. But you need more important help than that. And that's where we want to focus today. So mom's mission. My, my mom flew on dozens of missions across the Atlantic Ocean. But mom's mission today is to do the best you can in these three areas. One, you've got the most important job in the world. Secondly, you have the least appreciated job in the world. And finally, it's a job where you continually give grace to everyone but yourself. If you're a mom like many I know, you're pretty tough on yourself. And you're really expecting you to be super mom sometimes and doing everything and not realizing that you need to be a little bit grace-filled toward yourself. You're showing grace to your husband, you're showing grace to your kids all the time. How about a little grace for yourself? We want to talk about that today as well. Mom is the ultimate multitasker. Mom carries, mom comes with a two-speed transmission, full speed, and stop. I, I know that's, that's my wife, and the kids are out of the home for our youngest son just celebrated his 15th wedding anniversary. They've been out of the house for a long time. She still could put Fitbit out of business because I tried to get her one one time, and she used it for a little while. and said, I don't need this. I do 20,000 steps a day without a Fitbit. And here I am, 11.59 on a Saturday evening, making sure I get all the steps I need for the week. And I have a goal, and I try to meet it, but she doesn't. She just goes like crazy, full speed, and actually, she'll admit it, full speed and crash. <laughs> Mom is intuitive. She knows what's going on when no one else does. Mom is always available, and I love that one. Mom, you're there to put an arm around a child. Mom, you're there for a hug. Mom, you're there when nobody else is there. Now, always available doesn't mean you do everything for your kids. We don't want you to be an enabler. We don't want you to be a controller. 
but you're always available to your children. And that gives a security to your kids that nothing else can match, except, of course, for the security they can find in a relationship with God. But sometimes you're God's appointed agent, Mom, to give your children the security they need that they're loved and cared for in their home. And mom's the thermostat of the home. And mom almost always never fails. Now, I say that in context of a few verses I want to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 13 and put a little twist to it. Mom is patient and kind. Mom does not envy or boast. Mom is not arrogant. Mom is not rude. Mom does not insist on her own way. Mom is not irritable most of the time or resentful. (laughs) Mom does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Mom bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. Mom rarely fails. Thank you, Mom, for being there. Thank you for being available. And thank you for the love you share for your kids. However, there are times when you get tired, you get overwhelmed, you get anxious, you might be lacking in confidence, you may even be insecure. And here are some of the things that might come out of you during those times. And we're not going to be hard on moms for this because this is something that all of us can go through. If you're a teacher, you can go through this. If you're a police officer, you can go through this. If you are a waitress, you can go through this. If you're a nurse, you can go through this. Everybody can go through this. If you're a pastor, you can go through this. Here we go. The job is too big. I'm inadequate. I need help. I can't control anything. I'm afraid of messing up. I'm afraid I'm going to hurt some people that I love. I want to hide. I want to cry. I will cry. I don't care. Can someone, anyone, give me a hand? You know, the Bible has some answers for a mom who needs a hand. It has some answers, and they come in the way of a God who gives that helping hand to all moms who seek it. Let's look first at some verses that speak of some of the anxiety, some of the fear, some of the fright, some of the overwhelmed, overwhelmness that some moms can feel. And I have a bunch of them on this next two slides, but I'm just going to share a few of them. You can get the rest of these off the slide later. Hebrews 13, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will not fear. What can man do to me? Psalm 23, 4, even though I walk through the valley of the shadow of death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. Your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Deuteronomy 31, 6, be strong and courageous. Do not fear Or be in the dread of men, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you nor forsake you. 
John 14, 27, peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Let not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. And finally, for I, the Lord your God, hold your right hand. It is I who say to you, fear not, I am the one who helps you. God even holds your right hand and says, I will help you. But the home run verse when it comes to fear and anxiety is also in Isaiah. And it's a verse that I have probably texted to 20 people or more in the last three months. I don't do, do that all the time, but it just seems like the last three months, this verse has been appropriate for a whole bunch of people's needs. And it's Isaiah 41 and verse 10. Listen to it. Fear not, for I am with you. Now, I don't think we can stretch this to say that the I am is with you, but indeed, God is the I am, and he is with you through everything. Fear not, for I am with you. Be not dismayed or distressed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. Hear these words, mom. Hear these words, all of you, because they fit us in so many ways. I will give you strength. I will help you. And I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. So here's a little illustration of, of a man in the hand of God. This is, a, this is one of my grandson's firefighters from when he's like three years old and he loved firefighters. He's now 15. He hasn't looked at a firefighter in the last nine years. But I still have him in our drawer at home. And I figure this is pretty illustrative because I put out a lot of fires as a family care pastor once in a while anyway. I tried to. So here is me in the hand of God. Now, very poor role casting to put me as God, but this is just for the purpose of an illustration, all right? So in the hand of God, I will uphold you, Isaiah says, with my righteous right hand. God says that in Isaiah. I will uphold you. I will hold you up no matter what. I will help you. I will strengthen you. I will help you because I am your God. You don't have to fear. You don't have to be distressed. At the end of the slides on the, if you want to get, get it later on online, will be a bunch of verses that I, I sent to my son when he was sick, real sick, uh, a number of years ago. I sent him one a day. And the first one was, what shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? Second was, Jesus said that these things I have spoken to you, that in me you might have peace. In the world you will have trouble. Moms, is there trouble in this world? There's trouble all over the place. There's trouble in our homes, trouble in the community, trouble all over the place. But Jesus says, take courage. I have overcome the world.
There might be trouble in the world, but we have the overcomer living in us. And then this verse from Isaiah 41 is the third verse of the 35 or so that I sent to that special family member during his illness. So when the I am, Jesus Christ, the God of the universe, says, when the I am says, I will, you can trust that by faith it will happen. When he says, I am, that doesn't mean it's as good as gold. <laughs> doesn't mean you can take it to the bank. It means the God of the universe says, I will be with you. I will not forsake you. You can trust by faith that it will happen. So we're going to make a, a little shift here. Look at the content for today, the verses we're going to look at today. And I'm going to be in, in 1 Peter chapter 1 for a minute, and then we're going to go to chapter 5. In chapter 1, verse 22, it says, Having purified your hearts by your obedience to the truth for a sincere brotherly love, love one another earnestly from a pure heart. Moms know this kind of love. Actually, there's two loves in here. There's brotherly love, which is the Philadelphia term. Um, really brotherly love those Phillies right now, right? But love is, is, a, is a agape love. The second one, in the Greek at least, it's the agape love. It means a love that is selfless, a love that looks for the best in others, a love that is a choice, a love that is unconditional, and a love that is sacrificial. That's that love, and that's the kind of love a mother has. Now, now, why do I point that out? I point that out because the time it was written by Peter, it was like 67 AD. Now, we covered this during our Resolve series just last year. Pastor Chris preached on 1 Peter for a number of weeks. In that time, in Asia Minor, <laughs> Nero was the emperor. I don't want to say a lot about Nero because he was a ruthless, narcissistic, paranoid murderer. In fact, later on, he beheaded Peter's wife while Peter was forced to watch, according to church history. He also then crucified Peter upside down because Peter said, I'm not worthy to be crucified the way my Lord was. So he did it upside down. Nero also beheaded Paul. And those things happened like within two years of Nero's own death, as you see in AD 68. But Nero did something else. He was so paranoid that he killed his own mother and he killed his wife. How did he celebrate Mother's Day? But that's the context where Peter is writing. I just shared that with you to get the context of Peter. And he's writing to believers. He's writing to these Christians in Asia Minor. And he says, love one another earnestly. In the culture that we live in today, what people need to see from the church is the love of Jesus Christ. They can see that through moms. They can see that through dads. They can see that through kids in school. They need to see the love of Jesus Christ. 
Peter was telling the early church in Asia Minor, show the love of Christ. And in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5, it says, Likewise, you who are younger, be subject to the elders. Clothe yourselves, all of you, with humility toward one another. For God opposes the proud, but gives grace to the humble. Now, I don't want to be in opposition to God. It says, God opposes the proud. I want to receive his grace. It says, God gives grace to the humble. He tells us to clothe ourselves with humility, and God will give us grace. That's a tall order in a culture that um, doesn't regard God by and large. And we can't do it on our own. Moms can't put on humility on their own. It has to be in submission to the Holy Spirit of God that we can put on humility in our homes, in our community, in the workplace, everywhere where people see us. They want to see the humility in us, and we are called to live that. So the first mission of mom is to be the best you can be with the most important job in the world. And what's that most important job in the world that mom has to do and how can she do it? She does it with humility. Matthew chapter 11 says, come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden and I will give you rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn from me for I am gentle and lowly in heart and you will find rest for your souls for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. Jesus says, trade burdens with me. Right now, he says, I don't have a heavy burden. He would shortly thereafter have a heavy burden when he bore the sins of the world upon himself. But he says, give me your burden and I will give you mine because mine is light. But what he's really saying, I am meek and lowly in heart. Jesus is saying, I'm humble. Moms, you are the most like Jesus when you're showing humility. One more verse, and then we'll look at some application for humility. Jesus said in John chapter 15, I am the vine, you are the branches. Whoever abides in me and I in him, he it is that bears much fruit, for apart from me, you can do nothing. Jesus says humility means that you live like me in the world, in your home. Live like Jesus. Humility also putting other people before yourself. Humility also means you can't do anything without me. What is humility? Humility is not about me. It's about others. I put them first. Humility means I recognize that who I have and all I have come from God. I'm a steward of everything that God has given me, and I'm accountable to him. Humility means God is in control. I must submit to him. And if God is in control, I'm not in control. God's in control whether we ask him to or not. We are not in control. We might as well submit and say, God, thank you for being in control. That makes my life a lot easier. Humility means I will mess up and I must seek forgiveness. I'm human. 
Being human doesn't give us an excuse for sin. It gives us a reason for sin. He is faithful. He will forgive our sins, but we want to learn to grow. Humility means we also want to learn to grow to hate sin. We want to sin less as we progress in our Christian life. And finally, humility means God will exalt me. I must do my best daily in hope to submit myself to him. So the second part of mom's mission is to do the best she can in the least appreciated job in the world. God gives that grace to the humble. In a Bible study that I was teaching on Thursday mornings and then again at Thursday nights this spring, a verse stuck out to me like I had never seen it before. And it's in 2 Corinthians chapter 9, and it's right after where it says, God loves a cheerful giver. Here's what he says. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. God is able to take all grace. First of all, he's able. It reminds me of a verse in, in Ephesians where it says, God is able to do exceeding abundantly beyond. Well, this verse has four different alls in it. Two different abounds, and in every, and it's talking about God is able to do that because all grace belongs to God. Remember, grace is God's showing us unmerited favor through his son, Jesus Christ. We do not deserve grace. He gives it to us in salvation, he gives it to us in our sanctification or our growth in Christ. He gives us grace to sustain us each day. He gives us grace so that we can, grace so that we can serve him. He gives us grace so that we can have softer hearts toward other people. God's grace abounds for every good work. And moms, he wants you to live his grace through you to get it and to give it. Paul David Tripp is an author, he's a counselor, and he's a speaker, and he did a lot of our grief share video work that we do on Wednesday nights. And this is what he said about, about grace. We are not simply called to be consumers of God's grace, but conduits. We get God's unmerited favor, and we give it to others. We get grace, we give grace. We don't deserve it, so we get it, and then we also give it. We get grace and give it. Now, I want to share with you an example of just what it means to be a conduit. I'm going to use the example of a young girl that was born a number of years ago. Her name was, was Suni. When she went to first grade, she had to have a last name. So someone in the school gave her a last name, Gu. In Korea, they say the last name first. Her name was Gu Suni. She had a mother who gave her sacrificial love all the time. She sacrificed and sacrificed so they'd have enough food to eat. In fact, this mother 
even sacrificed to the point of giving up her life so Gu Suni could have a better life. Then a second mother came. This mother was a, a world famous author. And this mother gave her a love that says, love desires the best for the one loved. And she provided a way for Gu Suni, who now became Julie, to come to America to live with her and to have a better life. And by the way, if I'd put my wife's picture up on the screen, she would have been real upset at me. And I don't want to do that on Mother's Day. <clears throat> the third mother Julie had was her adopted mother when she was 19 years old. Very few people would choose to adopt someone at 19. But that was the love of choice. There's love of sacrifice. There's love of seeking the best for the one loved. And there's love of choice. Her mom and her dad chose her to be the, their daughter. And then finally, there's the, the love that's unconditional. And that's when she met my mom. And my mom immediately gave my girlfriend at the time, later my wife, unconditional love. Now, I use that to illustrate four different mothers, four different types of love, and they, each of them had at least one of the other types of love too, and some of them had all the love. But I use it as a point to say that these four ladies were conduits of God's grace and love to my wife. They demonstrated it to her, and they lived it before her, and now she has become a mom and a grandmom. And she has two wonderful daughters in love, two sons, five gr wonderful grandsons. She's been a mentor to many other women who she has shown and been a conduit of God's grace to. At one time, I think there were five different families in this church many years ago who asked us to take care of their kids, be guardians of their kids, if they were ever in an accident or something and lost their lives, they would want to entrust their kids to us. So if those five families had all been in the same plane at one time and it went down, we would have had like 18 kids. <laughs> Fortunately, they're all adults now and they're all doing great. But this is the kind of love that was given by God's grace to my wife and she has shown that to mother after mother after mother after mother, to child after child after child. She's a conduit of God's grace and love. Get God's grace, give God's grace. It's sufficient for our every need. In 1 Peter chapter 5 and 6 and 7, it says, Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand, here's the hand again, mighty hand of God, so that at the proper time he may lift you up, casting all your anxieties on him because he cares for you. Mom, you've got a tough job. 
cast your anxieties upon God because he cares for you. And anxiety isn't limited to mothers. We can all suffer it. Cast your anxieties upon the Lord because he cares for you. And sometimes when you're in your worst moments, the most important thing you need to know that somebody cares for you, that somebody is God and he's got you in his hand. Moving on to, to verse eight and nine. Be sober-minded, be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. The last quality about a mom is in the midst of all the things that she goes through and all the self-doubts and everything else, she needs to be courageous. We do have an adversary. He wants to drag us down. He wants to discourage us. He wants to say, you're not worth it. But moms have to live a courageous life. I had a phone conversation with someone yesterday just for a few moments telling me about a courageous decision that she needed to make. And I praised her for it. It was the right call. Sometimes those courageous decisions are very difficult to make. God is the one who gives us the help. Sometimes we let self-talk get to us. Sometimes we let the enemy wants to discourage us. Moms can fall prey to that. All of us can fall prey to that. We need to say, by your strength, God, by your mercy, by your grace, I will humble myself before you and you will give me the courage to make the decisions I need to make. In wrapping up, we want to look at areas where we are in the grip of our God's mighty hand. First of all, we need to be humble. We need to daily yield control to God. He will keep us humble. Man, if you look around and look at this world around you, look at your home, you don't really want to be in control. You want the wisdom of God working in your heart. You want to give control to him and say, God, show me, use me, help me to be the best mom I can be. Some things are out of control. I need you to run things. I want to be in your hand. I want to be protected by your mighty power. I want to cast all my cares upon you because you care for me and you will exalt me at the proper time. So the first thing is we want to yield control daily to God. Secondly, we want to be thankful. Don't ever forget to be thankful for all that you do have. Sometimes we are just complaining and we are just wondering what in the world's going on here and we're forgetting about all the things we have to be thankful for. Moms, you be the first to start that list. Get the rest of your family together. All that we have to be thankful for. We belong to God. He loves us. He cares for us. Thankfulness is sometimes related to contentment. I want to be content with all I have 
I want to be content with who I have. And I want to be content with who has me. And you know, that comes as a result of God's abundant grace in our life. Things we don't deserve, he pours it out to us all the time. And finally, we want, he'll give us courage that, that we need to do the hard, right thing. You know, we live in a, in a selfish, secular, sin-infested culture right here in the United States. Oh, it may not be the way Rome was in the first century under Nero, but it's not what it used to be. And if we don't check ourselves, it's going to continue to digress, digress, digress. And I don't see anybody out there outside of the church that's really trying to change culture. In fact, what we're seeing is people willingly let culture just get way out of hand and become more decadent, more evil, where right used to be wrong and wrong used to be right, and everything is mixed up. Starting in our homes, we can take the courage to make the hard right decisions. Moms, work with your husband. If you're alone, you've got a tough job, but praise God for the strength he gives you. You've got to make the right decisions in your family to set boundaries, to ask questions, to practice tough love at times, to find out who your children's friends are and invite them over so you can get to know them. Moms, we live in a tough world. We need to be courageous in how we show the love to our family. We need to be grace-filled. And we also need to be humble beneath the mighty hand of God that he will lift us up at the right time. Here's my last firefighter that I found in a drawer at home. It's of a woman. So lest you think that only men need to be under the mighty hand of God, all of us do. Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, and he will lift you up at the right time, casting all your care on him because he cares for you. Moms, are you discouraged? Moms, are you downhearted? Moms, are you anxious? You got a God who will take care of you. Your job, live with humility, live with grace, live with courage. God's mighty hand will hold you up. Let's pray. Father, I just thank you for this time today. I, I thank you again for the, the mom's and their faithfulness, their love for their families, their children, their husband. Thank you that the church is a gathering of people who are of like mind, 
people who desire humility, people who receive the grace of God and give it to others, and people who are courageous. Father, I pray that moms here today would show a little bit more grace to themselves. They show it to everybody else. May they be willing to realize that they're doing their best with the help of the hand of God. May we all stay in your grip as we desire to honor you with how we live our lives as moms, children, dads, families, a church in the hand of Jesus, in your grip. I thank you in his name. Amen. God bless.